C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And here we are again with my co-writer, Pat Picciarelli. Good evening, everybody. And Megan, our Millennium, our co-host, our Girl Friday. She's got it all. <laughs> Megan Haran. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Megan Haran. My close hey, Haran. All right. Haran. Yeah. Haran. I've been practicing. Took me a year and a Moran, half. Moran with an H. Yeah, it took you a year and a half to get it right. Now, now why didn't <laughs> you tell years. me? Why didn't you tell me that first? Moran with an H, and I would have got it. I've said that. I've said that before. Not yeah. the first time I heard it. Anyway. Okay. There you go. All right. Now we got your name right. Let's start the seasons all over from now on. We got it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to one. <laughs> all right. So. Pat, what's new in your life, buddy? Hey, funny you should bring that up. I, I I got some shocking news. I hope everybody out there is sitting down. I mean, this is uh, something that I'm still uh, learning to deal with. I ran my DNA through Ancestry.com, and I found out that I'm only 29% Italian. I mean, I'm freaking shocked. I've been basing my entire life on my Italian heritage here. Well, as, <laughs> as Italian men would say, I'm 40, uh, 46% Russian, which is on my uh, mother's side, Russian and, uh, and Eastern uh, Europe. But the surprising part is the rest of it is Greek, Albanian, and Middle Eastern. Wow. So I don't know what to make of it, although I called my sons and I said, listen, I got them on a conference call. They're living all over the place. And I said, okay, as of today, uh, Zach, I'm going to be addressing you as Athenos, which is a nice Greek name. <laughs> uh, Alex will be Sergei. Uh, so <laughs> they can get used to their alternative ethnicity. Uh, me me, being, me hand, being Italian, I want to ask you a question that is very sorry. important to me at this point. Yeah. What percentage of your 29% of your body is Italian? The lower or the top? I'd be the lower head. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted. I'm, I'm on the hunt now for a Greek restaurant. I think I found one. You know, I, I have to get, I have to get used to this. You know? Well, as you said, the, no matter what restaurant it is in your neighborhood, they're all, they all terrible anyway. So my goodness. I, you know, there's, there's one or two that can possibly pass. If I was to give a decent uh, review of the restaurant, someone would have to hold a gun to my head. But maybe that's acceptable. Okay. I'm so curious why you live where you live. <laughs> why I live here? Yeah, you only ever have somewhat negative things to say about it. <laughs> this place is terrible. I mean, uh... yeah. So that answer her question: Why are you there? <laughs> why? Why are you still there? I was dating my wife, and uh, she, you know, it came to the point where. Uh, you have to meet the family. I said, well, they better live in New York because I'm not going anywhere. She said, no, they live in Western Pennsylvania. So I had to look on a map and find out what Pennsylvania was. And I said, okay, you know, I'll go. And I came to this town where they, where they lived. And I said, who the hell can live here? I mean, uh, I stayed here a couple of days, couldn't sleep because I'm used to noise and, and I, I, I live by, by an elevated train. I'm used to rackets and gunshots. It was nothing. I said, "There's no way I can I can I can live here if it ever came to it." Does she have a big family? Well, pardon me. 
Does she have a big family? Well, she, she, she did it. To, she had a family at the time, but since then, they all passed away. There's one aunt left. That's about well, it. Now you got a reason to leave. <laughs> you know, I never thought, let me write that down. So I don't <laughs> you know, when, when we were living in uh, New York and she was pregnant with our first child, I'm thinking, you know, I lived in Jackson Heights, Queens. And those of you who don't know it, that's the cocaine capital of the world. I mean, wow. literally, you can walk down. It was a shopping area around. It was 82nd Street where all the uh, commercial stores were uh, and restaurants. You could walk down that street and literally smell the quinine, which is which is a cut for, for cocaine. You can smell it walking down the street. Wow. And I said, do I want to raise my kids here? You know, well, this kid, anyway, my first child. And I said, you know, I uh, the right thing to do is to get the hell out of New York. And I came here because I also wanted to write. I was rather distracted in New York. You know, I mean, I was always doing something. Here, there was nothing to do, literally nothing. So you were forced to write. I've been here almost 30 years, and there's still nothing to do. So I write. And it's it's obviously been successful, and, you know, the three of us got together. But anyway, uh, I'm going to have to lower my Italian flag, which I have proudly waving on the front lawn, and raise a Greek flag, if indeed they have one. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to... <laughs> why don't you just put? Why do look like the United Nations and put one up for each? Uh, uh, each percentage. Yeah. Well, uh, my sons uh, Athenos and and, uh, and Sergey uh, say. <laughs> okay, and, uh, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Anyway, that was my experience this week. Oh man! Well, thank you for sharing. Yes. Uh, so, so last week we spoke of Tony Spilatro. And we touched a little bit upon his attorney, which was Oscar Goodman. So we're going to expand on him a bit more. Who wants to take it away first, boys? Well, um, I'm the historian here, right? So uh, uh, we're not going to talk about his uh, underworld clients because we already did. But he's uh, he's quite a star in his own right, aside from the fact that he represented uh, infamous people. Uh, he graduated Pennsylvania Law School with a uh, with a degree in law, obviously. Uh, him and his wife, uh, the Jewish, are active in Jewish organizations, uh, and so forth and so on. He served as the uh, president of the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Now, here's something: most lawyers, and I know a lot of lawyers. I mean, I'm a private investigator. I I, I worked for attorneys for 30 years. Uh, most lawyers uh, are not or will not defend. Uh, people accused of crimes, and most lawyers, because of that, uh, never see the inside of a courtroom. Uh, the lawyers that I work for, mostly civil cases. Occasionally, I got like one or two uh, criminal attorneys, and I, I do their cases. But uh, he went right into criminal law, which is rare. Oh wow! Uh, you're, uh, you, you start somewhere else because to be a criminal lawyer, you know, there's not too many Perry Masons out there, or uh, you know. I mean, these you defend criminals who are guilty of crimes, drug dealing, petty crimes, and it's it, it, as far as the legal profession is concerned, criminal lawyers are not looked upon well. So to go into this business as a criminal lawyer, you have to have uh, great confidence in your ability and have high expectations for yourself. Did he? Did he That's start? Not being in Vegas doesn't hurt. Did he start his practice somewhere else than Las Vegas? No. Well, no, no, not as far as I know. He was in. He was a. Uh, uh, he started out as a as a senior partner, in a in a firm called the Goodman Law Group. How's that for catchy? There you go. Uh, which was which was a Vegas law firm, and as he gained uh, 
uh, notoriety. I don't think his law firm, this was my uh, uh, own impression, uh, he, Goodman was too good of a lawyer, I mean, to, to uh, not to be just working on his own. Uh, he became uh, what's known as of counsel to his firm, which means he's uh, uh, he mentored a, them of counsel. It's called. That means you're you're uh, called upon for uh, important cases due to his expertise. Very bright guy, excellent lawyer, but that's that's the term that's used of counsel. You don't go to work every day when they need you for something important. They call you. So I'm saying, uh, like he was their mentor. <laughs> He, he helped them with their cases. And something came along that required his expertise mm -hmm. as the go-to guy. So highly, very highly thought of. And like I say, there's a handful uh, of, well, a handful, there's a very small percentage of really good uh, criminal attorneys around, and he was one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, from his clientele that he represented successfully, may I add, in most cases, uh, that, that was his thing, and he was very good at what he did. And, and not, not only people accused of uh, uh, organized crime uh, crimes, but he was a, just a good, damn good criminal lawyer. Why he decided to go into politics like seemed like the next logical step. You have fame. Uh, you can't go into politics and be successful with no name. He had a name. Oh, and, no, he was very popular. Yeah, well, you, you're, you're allowed uh, three terms in Las Vegas. And he, he, he started out like a ball of fire. His first election in 1999, he wins uh, almost 64% of the vote. That's a lot. Wow. Uh, well, you uh, know why? I have a little history on that, which is a, a little funny also. He, he was going after the incumbent, Jane Lafferty, who he beat out. And as soon as he won, I was there with him that day at his campaign headquarters. And his first business, he fired Jane Lafferty's whole staff. So I found out and I had to call him up. I said, Oscar, you, you fired Gia's mother, Gia being my daughter. He said, how'd I fire her? I said, well, she was Jane's assistant. And he didn't even know it. And he knew Cheryl. So he hired Cheryl back. And why I'm bringing it up, Cheryl's had a career. Generally, when you clean house, you should know who you're firing. This is politics, you know. He uh, just—he probably just said clear out the office. Yeah, yeah, clean it out. He wants to bring his own people. That's understandable. But so, so he wins with almost 64% of the vote. The second time around, he's, he's reelected for a second four-year term. This time, he gets 85% of the vote. Wow. And the third time around in 2007, he wins with 80, almost 84% of the vote, and he defeated five of his opponents. Wow. Five against him, and he wins 85% of the vote. And why, 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 why do you think that? What did, what did he do that's so great? Because I was already gone out of the city. Well, you know, politicians, you like them or, or, or you don't like them. Apparently, he was popular with 84% uh, with of, 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 uh, of the electorate with five people in the race. You figured the vote would be a little more spread out, you know, yeah, yeah, but it yeah. wasn't, he just he walked away with it. You know, the popular guy, I mean, he, and, and as you said, he was a nice guy. Yeah. So it the, helps. The funniest thing I found out as a surprise to, to you and I, when we, when we uh, you know, launched our, bo our book, the 
Mob Museum got in touch with us and got in touch with our publishers. And they said they would like to have a night. Would you go in? And I'm saying, man, that's the last place I want to go. But so I did my research only to find out that Oscar Goodman and what, uh, was so instrumental in rebuilding downtown. He rebuilt that whole downtown. I mean, and, and before that was the Binions and the Boyds and all the Texas guys. Now you got a guy who is pretty savvy and he built that whole walk down there at night and brought so much business, new business. But the funniest thing that affected us, one of his things as being mayor, he convinced the federal government to give the city of Las Vegas the federal building. And that's where he came up with the idea to build the mob museum. Well, all his clients, are in the mob museum, <laughs> which I think is pretty he, he funny. Was, when you're the mayor of a city like Las Vegas, you have to be a showman. You can't be low key. Oh no, definitely. This this is this is uh, expected of you. And he had such popularity that he was going to try to overturn the three term time limit to be uh, to be mayor. He wanted to run for a four term. Uh, Bloomberg did it in New York. Right. This was this was after uh you know Giuliani tried it didn't work uh uh Oscar Goodman tried it and he couldn't do it so he couldn't vote he couldn't run for a fourth term so his wife runs for mayor and she wins and she's and still she, there too yes yeah, she's still a mayor right right and that and what's yeah. so funny about that and I, I, I believe me I have no love for, for my ex-wife she made a career at being assistants to mayors. Now she's retiring a civil servant by being assistants for three different mayors who stayed in office so long. She, she was a, an assistant to the mayors that all had the same last name, apparently. Well, uh, most do. No, Jane Laverty didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was her first job. But what anyway, I, he, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I say he, uh, his his uh, his wife uh, won. I don't think she she didn't have any political experience, right? Did she? I don't know. I, I was shocked that she got it. Well, she got it. She was 60% of the vote. That's impressive. So the, the Goodman name means a lot in Vegas. Right. Man, uh, would you know if she, was she a, a lawyer? Do you know his wife? Was she a lawyer? Um, I mean, she graduated from the University of Nevada in 1973 with a master's degree in counseling. So I don't believe that was her original... Hmm. Um, career choice, but no, I don't. I don't know. Well, she was in politics. What her, what her background somewhere. was. Well, apparently she's a decent mayor because she's she's still there. Well, they they know he's 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 having coffee with her and and and, and helping her. But the funniest thing, the night the night I walked on us at that stage about two and a, two and a half years ago now, I, I I the place was packed. There was people that I haven't seen since I closed State Street. And now I'm there for as a writer. And I said, what am I gonna say? There was good, bad, the good, bad, and the ugly in the audience. So I walked on the stage and I looked around, I looked up at the ceiling and I looked down at everybody and they were waiting for me to say something. I deliberately 
took what we call actors beats, two or three beats looking around. And I said, do you know how long they've been trying to get me in this building? Because <laughs> it was a federal courthouse. The whole place busted out laughing. <laughs> I've never been there, Johnny. How big is this museum? Big. It's huge. How big? Um, square feet, I would say. I don't know how many floors? Oh, three or four floors. Oh, it's a big yeah. building. It's a big yeah. federal building. It's huge. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Oscar Goodman uh, launched a career. I, I don't think he even tried to be an actor. They must have sought him out, too, because he's got that personality and everybody knows him. He appeared at himself in Martin uh, Scorsese's movie Casino. Uh, he he uh, later made another brief appearance. I don't know if this was a step up, but he appeared in the film Looney Tunes, back in action. <laughs> he, was, he was a voice in that. I, you know, maybe I, I would have uh, held out for something else. Oh, that's funny. In, two, in 2006, he appears to a direct-to-DVD film called Bachelor Party Vegas. And in 2015 and 16, he did interviews for the television programs, The Making of the Mob, New York, and The Making of the Mob, Chicago. Well, that was good for him, though, because, you know, he had a lot yeah. to say there. And here's something, here's a factoid you may not know. Uh, Gooden was the first mayor of Las Vegas to have his image placed on $5 and $25 casino chips. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. That is funny. By, uh, the, by the Four Queens Casino. Do you know it? Oh, yeah, of course, downtown. Yeah, that was where his chips were, with his face on them. Because he did so much for them. Yeah. He, I mean, he really rebuilt all downtown Las Vegas. And the, uh, the, the Four Queens put out a $200 silver strike with uh, Oscar's likeness on it. What is a silver strike? Well, that, that's, I, when, well I, I did that when I had my casino, because of my ego. Uh, you, you go online and look it up, actually, they're for sale. My $5 chip for a strike, like you're saying, a coin for the slot machines, it's got my image on it because I never knew I'd be president. So I wanted to be on a coin. So when Nevada, Nevada coin said to me, what do you want on the coin? I said, what can I have? They said, anything. I said, I want to be on the coin. So I'm on the coin, but it worked to my advantage for a lot of reasons. Because when you went to the cage to buy $5 coins for the $5 big machine, most people didn't cash them in because they wanted them because I did the movie The Godfather. And they're still selling them on, on I think, on Amazon. They, you could buy a State Street coin with me on it. <laughs> you, you still no have way. I see that. You still have any? I had a bag of them. I, I don't know where I left them, somewhere. They'd probably be <laughs> here. That must have been a hell of a night. You, you know where you left them? Well, you know, I hide stuff a lot. And I come <laughs> resurrect. Well, they're not worth anything. You have to redeem them in the casino that you bought them. That was a, a, a Howard Hughes law that changed everything. That the, see, the money down there was interchangeable just like regular currency. You could take a, 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 a black chip, $100 from Caesars, and cash it any, any casino you want. Then the federal government realized that's what people were doing. They'd go buy the chips and then cash them over there and they were laundering their own money. But anyway. I'd like to get a hold of that bag of chips and uh, sell them on eBay. There you go. 
Yeah, right. You know, now that you gave me that idea, maybe one of my kids took, and that's who's selling them on eBay. Because I ain't getting them. (laughs) Anyway, Oscar, you know, I I got the impression here that, uh, you know, all politicians have uh, have enemies. The Las Vegas Review Journal, I don't think was a big fan of Oscar. uh, One of their columnists, John Smith, John Smith, no less. John Smith's been a fan ever. That was his real name. But then again, it's a common name because no, that's his real name. I know. Wait, he he wrote a book titled "Of Rats and Men: Oscar Goodman's Life from Mob Mouthpiece to Mayor of Las Vegas," which chronicles Goodman's life including thirty-five years spent. He wrote it about Oscar Goodman. Yeah. Rats and men. Wow. I wonder if that was a uh, uh, you know. Uh, of mice and men, they replaced the word mice with rats. Uh, I don't think I didn't read the book and they didn't even know that there was one, but it doesn't sound like a favorable title for uh, Mr. Goodman. I would say not. <laughs> and it, there was a poll, uh, uh, initiated by the Review Journal again, who published this, you know, the writer who uh, wrote the book worked for the Review Journal. Uh, 2003, the Review Journal said by an annual readers poll, uh, Gooden was voted the least effective public official. Now, how is that possible when he wins 86 percent of the vote <laughs> every time he runs? Well, the for people office. liked him, but he did not, nothing for the city. Well, I, I'm just wondering if this was a uh, an right. actual poll. right, right, right. Or, or the, the Vegas Review just didn't like the guy, and that's the way it sounds. To me. You know what I find interesting? I, I spoke to Oscar about a month ago. Was it about a month ago now, Megan? We reached out. Yeah, to, I would say so. Yeah, because we had people ask Two weeks. to have him on, and uh, he said, uh, "Call me back in a week." And I, I gave Megan all his information, and he called her back after waiting a while, and he said, "I after thinking about it, I think it'll be a conflict of interest." So, and making me think, saying, "Wait a minute, now how could it be a conflict of interest?" Unless you just got a new client as a lawyer who's thinking of suing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. How could him and I be a I conflict? I don't see what else it would be. Yeah, what else could it be? Uh, unless he's, Not unless like he's doing another podcast or something. Yeah, there you go. He's going to start well, his own podcast. What, how, how many guys have a podcast are on our show? But everybody else has a podcast. Why shouldn't he? That's what I'm saying. My cat has a podcast, did I tell you? And they come on our show. <laughs> anyway, uh, he tried to, he was very vocal about having uh, the uh, Montreal Expos move to Vegas. Uh, it's Instead, they, re, they they relocated to Washington, D.C. and became the Washington Nationals. Later that year, uh, uh, Mr. Goodman meets with the Florida Marlins uh, to try to get them to Vegas. They were uh, all baseball teams? What? All baseball teams? Baseball teams, yeah. The, the Chicago White Sox were considering the move, but the talk fell through after Chicago gave the, uh, the White Sox uh, incentives, as they put it, to stay in Chicago. But uh, the interesting thing is that the two teams that went there now and very successful is a hockey team and a football team. <laughs> well, I tell you, because he, after he, he, uh, he wasn't very successful at getting a uh, uh, baseball team there, he tried to get the NFL team there. He called the San Diego Chargers and asked if they would be interested in moving, uh, but they couldn't because they were contractually obligated. Uh, 2007, after the contract was up, he called again. 
but they weren't interested. So which team eventually went? Are the Oakland Raiders? Yes. Okay, yeah. And they built some stadium, my God. That, that was recently. That was in the 2020 season. Oh, I know. They have a stadium there? I wasn't even aware of it. You wouldn't believe it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stadium is huge. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, and it, uh, it's something that the city could use with all these betters and sports people. It's, well, uh, 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 President Barack Obama, when he was in office, made negative remarks in Las Vegas 2009 and 2010 about Oscar Goodman. I couldn't find out what he said, but uh, Mr. Goodman was not impressed. Well, probably because of association with Moss. That was the mayor. You don't bring up. Uh, I, I well, you know, uh, his last uh, run for office, uh, Goodman was an independent, I believe. If he was a Democrat, I doubt uh, Obama would have had anything negative to say about him. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, Oscar writes a book. He's not going to be outdone by this guy at the Journal Review. We gets a guy uh, who has collaborated on quite a few of my books. I was mean to ask you about that, Johnny. Did you ever talk to George Anastasia before you and I got together? No. You know who he is? A Albert's nephew? No. <laughs> I don't know. Fairly common name. But no, he he writes, uh, he, he, he collaborates with uh, uh, mob figures or people that were involved with mob figures. He's, write, he's written several books. Uh, and I, I figured maybe you would have, you know, talked to him before. Well, no, Frank, uh, you know who I talked to, Frank Wyman, our agent. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I didn't know, because you, you've been looking since 1995. I I, no, I haven't been looking. Frank has been looking. We went from oh. we went from Dan Moldea to a lot of major, major, major guys. And then right. we settled down, and then, you know, you should talk to so this So there was guy. nobody left, and you finally got to me. No, I, 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 it was me. I mean, Dan Maldino talked to me this day today because uh, I asked him, I said, Dan, what do you know about Johnny Russo? He said, well, I just wrote the Clinton book. He's a bestseller. I said, well, that's Clinton. I said, what do you know about Johnny Russo? And I actually asked him if he would write a brief synopsis of who he thought I was. And that, that was it. He was so annoyed. But even with you, I said, talk to me. You and I. You know. If you're gonna write about somebody, have some interest in the topic, the person, or both. Right. Hello. I mean. No, don't tell me about your accolades. I'm not any <laughs> of those guys. What can you do for me? You know. Yeah. Anyway, his book was called "Being Oscar: From Mob Lawyer to uh, Mayor of Las Vegas," and written with George Anastasia. It was published in 2013. How to do? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably pretty, I would assume pretty good. I mean, you know, he's got his own uh, public relations people. Everybody knows him, uh, which is half the game, as you know. Yeah, but they, they all know him in Vegas. I don't know if you, you know, yeah. unless, unless you know Vegas. Well, okay, so. He had a, he had a problem, uh, if you can call it a problem, putting his name on uh, his son's letterhead. His son is an attorney. And he was uh, uh, brought before the Nevada Commission on Ethics. Uh, because of that, uh, and uh, the members of the commission found the mayor Goodman uh, in ethics violations, although no fine was rendered. Goodman sues the commission for that ruling, wins, and the commission ruling was reversed in court. So it wasn't an ethics violation. 
And, and is his name on the kid's stationery now? No, he took his name off. Oh. I guess he didn't want to create notoriety for his kid. Oh, no, I'm sure. That's why he, he went they, on his first they, they asked him to clarify his affiliation with his son's law firm. He, <laughs> well, he explained... He what explained a dumb question. On the letterhead as a way of informing out-of-state law firms that Ross Goodman is his son. I think that was an honest answer. I think so, too. It's their business to his son, so he puts his name on the letterhead. So, but he told him the truth. However, uh, Nevada law says a person serving as an elected official in Nevada may not have his name listed on a, a law firm letterhead. And Oscar Goodman uh, removed his name, and that was it. While he was mayor, he couldn't, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Well, he, he didn't do it. Right. Uh, even though, he, you know, he was listed as uh, of counsel uh, to the uh, Goodman Law Group. Uh, but the Supreme Court of Nevada ruled that Goodman did not violate any uh, uh, ethics laws during a 2004 cocktail party that he hosted on behalf of his son. So that he could do. But having your name in print, I can understand that if, you, if, you, if you're not a member of the firm. Okay. Megan, and, and he, what, 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 what do you think, Megan, about all this? Must have capped this, this episode off. About what we're talking about now with the son? Yeah, about the whole Oscar Goodman knowing he was what he started out as, and how he I mean, you know, became a maven. Three terms after that. Yeah, it is amazing, and he was obviously very well liked, and and was able to get his wife as his successor. So I know he right. definitely made an impression on the city. I'm curious to know: Do either of you guys know? Um, so he was born in Philadelphia. Do you know what brought him to Las Vegas? Opportunity, I would think. Hmm say Johnny I, I have no idea I mean uh, how, how old is Oscar about 85 born in uh... he's 81 oh That's wow he's 81 so he was pretty young when he got there to open a law to, to represent Spalatro that's 50 years ago yeah in the 30s I know but so well, if you, I tell you, if, if you're going to uh, put your shingle out as a uh, criminal defense lawyer at 30 years old, that's a good way to start. Yeah, instant notoriety. Well, he, was, did, he did a great. Yeah, he, he, he'd be the first name that you think of in your sleep. That was always in the press. But now here's something. Here's a quote. Now, you have to consider uh, my comment here. I'm going to uh, go over something that he said. Now, think about Oscar Goodman saying it and the repercussions that came of it. And if a guy like Donald Trump said it, what would happen? He said, this was March uh, 2005, Goodman speaks to a group of fourth graders at an elementary school. When asked what he would take with him if marooned on a desert island, Goodman replies, a bottle of Bombay Sapphire gin. <laughs> when asked about his hobbies, the mayor named drinking Bombay Sapphire gin, that's his favorite, uh, as a hobby. Later, when asked the comment about his statements, Goodman was unapologetic. I'm the George Washington of mayors. I cannot tell a lie. If they didn't want an, uh, an answer, the kids shouldn't have asked. <laughs> and he gets away with it. Oh, my God. Think about think about. And how old were these kids? In fourth grade. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, well, it, if you don't want an honest answer, don't ask the question. I think we should close out with that one. <laughs> I mean, think about that. What politician could get away with something like that? Well, the, the good news about it... As our listeners could hear, we definitely will fulfill any want, any suggestion, and we just did. 
you've had the episode that you wanted to hear about more about Oscar Goodman, his accolades, his past, and his present. So we're going to go to the mailbag. We'll be right back. we got to make some money. Don't go nowhere. We'll get Oscar to come after you. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. All right, we're back. My favorite All right. show. <laughs> so we have a few questions for tonight, but I will start off with one from Michael. Michael says, I'm listening to The Hollywood Godfather for the second time now. I'm at the part where you had to stay in Palermo, Sicily after the JFK assassination. When I heard you describe it, I immediately searched for images, breathtaking. If you were to live in Italy, would it be Palermo or somewhere else? Why? Thank you. I wish the podcast was five days a week. Best wishes to Mr. Picciarelli, Megan, and you. Oh, wow. Nice compliment. Thank you. I mean, I, I have a house there uh, outside of Palermo. It's called Chefalu, and it's right next to Lido Beach. And it's beyond Terramina. And if you had to live anywhere, I would live there for the rest of my life. So. Okay. Moving on. All right. Next is from Steven. Steven says, when was the last time you saw or spoke to Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra before they both passed away? Wow, a good question. I uh, spoke to Dean about a week prior, and Sinatra, because of his lovely wife, Barbara, who fortunately passed on now. She broke my relationship with Sinatra because I knew everything about her, the good, bad, and the ugly part of Barbara. And uh, she forbid us to be friends with him, meaning my son, Luciano, who he baptized, and who we saw almost every Sunday at Mateo's restaurant on Westwood Boulevard. So that's, I didn't see Sinatra probably for the last three or four years of his life. All right. Next is from Jeff. Jeff says, hi Gianni, I recall you discussing on the show that you were a ranked gin rummy player or something. Can you elaborate and maybe talk about any good playing stories? Also, I love gin rummy, but my friend beats me nine out of 10 times. <laughs> any strategies so I can start winning? No, I never played gin rummy. I, I played backgammon and I play Chemin de Fer. Jim uh, Rummy, I, I, I was never that guy that had that many hours to sit in a club. My gra my grandfather ran a club that they played Jim Rummy, hearts, they played everything. I don't know what episode you got confused at thinking I was a card player. Yeah, he did say or something, so I think he may have just forgotten what the exact game was. Back to him. Moving right, right along. Next is from Kane. Kane says, I understand that Marilyn Monroe was not her real name. So my question to you is, did you or Frank and people close to her ever call her Norma or did you just call her Marilyn? No, 
called a Norma Jean again. No, Marilyn, that's all. I called her M&M, just like the candy. <laughs> that's cute. All right, next is from Linda. Linda says, can you tell me more about your relationship with Judy Garland? Were you around Liza Minnelli when Judy passed away? No, I was around, I was around Judy Garland long before Liza. Um, I mean, long before I knew, met Liza. I mean, Liza was with her mother all the time when she was, came out of her womb. Let me, let me rephrase that. I, her, she was going out with a very close friend of mine, Jimmy Mack, who was a male model. And she went out with a lot of young guys at that time. So we were part of her heyday in New York City, which was great. And I think I told the story several times. We were at a house early in the morning as the sun was coming up, and she was making us a frittata, which is a, like a, an egg omelet, but she wasn't using potatoes. She was using rose petals. When Liza walked out in her uniform to go to school, and then years later I got engaged with Liza, and we had a great friendship, which we still have now. All right. Next is from Lenny. Lenny says, aside from Marilyn, who is your favorite actress of all time? I never said Marilyn was my favorite actress. <laughs> no, well, they just don't want you to I'm have that be the I'm answer. That's the easy answer. Favorite actress? That's interesting. I like Sharon Stone. I really do. I like a lot of things that she's done. I mean, you know, it's... Um, no, I, I think she's very... Um, I could just put it. I mean, she's very flexible as an actress. She's got, as they would say, she's got great chops, meaning she can play a lot of roles. I like Sharon Stone, and she's still working. She sure is. Pat, how about your answer to that one? That's uh, while while Johnny was answering that, I was thinking, you know, who and I. I don't. I you know. I I. I I have to give this some more thought. I mean, I'm a big movie buff. I mean, uh, I I actually went to the movies yesterday to see Fast and Furious 39 or whatever the hell. It, uh, <laughs> How was that? It was a disaster. That, but they must have spent hundreds of millions of dollars on on uh, wrecking cars. They must have wrecked. And I'm not exaggerating. 300 cars in that movie. They mm -hmm. actually had a car chase in space. Okay. Devin Pinto is, is is chasing a, uh, a satellite. I mean, it was so ridiculous. If there if there's an Academy Award for best worst actor, if that means anything, John Cena would have been a shoe in. I mean, the thing was a disaster. Oh, that's the kid that came in as uh, his, his his brother. They casted him as yeah. He, play, uh, he plays his brother. Van, Van, yeah, they've been promoting it to death. Uh, it was just, and it was like twelve people. It, it made seventy million dollars. Uh, over the weekend. Oh, they have a big following, obviously. Well, th th that's a lot. That's a big gross for this time. You know, COVID, right. some people still afraid to go to the movies, but I figure, you know, what's all the hoopla about? Well, I still don't know. I'm still searching for that. Wow. But as, as uh, best actress, I got to give it some thought. I really can't come out with anything. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Sometimes it's hard for me to think of like my favorites of well, something. How about you? I was just going to ask off you. Off the top of my head. Who do you like? Well, that, mine is, you already know that answer. Oh, I, oh yeah, what a silly question. That one is well known by this yes, time. by the world. But I like other, more classics. I, I really, really love um, Julie Andrews. Oh my God, yeah. 
I can picture Love you. Love Julie Andrews. I can picture you being Julie Andrews. Your mother's a Julie <laughs> Andrews. Yeah, the Sound of Music was my no, favorite movie as a kid. Your mother Gretchen reminds me of Julie Andrews. She does. Really? Interesting. Yes. I'll have to share that with her. Yeah, please. Next. All right. Well, that's actually all I have for tonight. Well, great. Well, thank you all. And uh, we'll be back here next Wednesday night with an all-new show. We need reviews. We want you to shout it from the rooftops. We want to stay on the air. We're enjoying it so much. And we love all the emails we're getting from London and Australia. So we're becoming worldwide. And I thank Pat for that, Megan, and you out there, our listeners. God bless you all. Stay safe. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, night, guys. Good night. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.